Osiris. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris connects people like you with podcasts, videos, and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com and sign up for the newsletter to stay in the loop about new podcasts and events. And don't forget to check out the new Leftover Salmon record, Something Higher. To episode 75 of the Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Colath. And thanks for joining us as we take our weekly journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. Uh, Jeff, what is the uh, 75th anniversary gift? That's the diamond anniversary. Oh, like this is so this is like the this is like the Diamond Jubilee yeah, episode? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, didn't, um, I didn't get you diamonds this time around. That's all right. When we do, how about when we get to the double diamond? Maybe we can think about. Okay, that. I'll look forward to it. Um, diamond sounds like a strip club or something. <laughs> uh, uh, to the double diamond strip club, wherever that may exist. How about that? That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, so last week we did our first part of um, our celebration of the twentieth. 20th anniversary of the no 25th anniversary of the golly um 25th anniversary of the fall 93 14 shows and 14 day tour did the first part of that um with myself and ted rockwell and we talked so long that um we decided to split it up in two parts so the second part is um what you'll hear in this episode but um, we wanted to sort of pop in and say hi and see how things are going. We haven't been uh, – I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while, Jeff, but things are good. It's pouring down rain here in Memphis this evening. It's on election eve. Uh, every acorn, I think, on my neighbor's tree just fell on the house, um, which is a remarkable thing that an acorn can hit your house and then it goes, pink, and then pink. Like you can hear it rolling down, but it's better at eight thirty central time as opposed to two thirty in the morning, like it was over the weekend. Um, but uh, but yeah, we had a lot of rain the last couple of days, uh, and tomorrow's election day. Exciting times. How about you? Well, uh, just a little, little bit of real time follow up here. Uh, no, I don't. They couldn't find a double diamond uh, strip club, but here here are other options. There's the Blue Diamond Gentleman's Club in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, that's, you, that's, you come close. that's close. Then, then there's uh, the Black Diamond Strip Club in Jackson, Mississippi. Not, not too far from yours. And then um, there's the... Uh, <laughs> um, where was the other one? The, um, mm-hmm, the Black Diamond Mail Review in Atlanta, Georgia. 
that if we wanted to combine that with the panic New Year's, maybe we should do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Wow. I'm not really a lot of options there. There's probably a listener in Jackson, Louisville, or Atlanta that could probably give us the rundown and hear all of those. So. Um, I have spent a grand total of one evening of my life in a in a in a gentleman's club, and that was on the occasion of uh, my friend's uh, bachelor party. This is literally the only time I've ever stepped foot. Uh, not to judge anybody who does, but uh, the fact that we just spent two minutes talking about it, just I just wanted to lay that out there and make sure that wasn't. I didn't want to get fun fact for uh, fun fact for the podcast audience out there. My wife has been to more strip clubs than I have. <laughs> I'll just leave it. Uh, you know, I can probably it's probably same same fact over here too. I didn't know that for a fact, but. Um, so uh, Halloween was good down uh, down your way. It rained like crazy, and uh, but uh, the, the boy got out for some early evening uh, trick or treating, and then liked to sit on the porch and watch the other kids run around in the rain, and then took it personally when they wouldn't come to our door. They'd skip our house mm-hmm. to go to other people's houses. So then he would stand on the porch and yell about how we have free candy too. Um, I feel like it was going to be one of those things like my candy's as good as everybody else. <laughs> um, it didn't quite, just, happen, but close. It was close. Just stand up there heckling the trick or treaters. I like it. Um, yeah. I'll give mad props to, uh, to the local, the local powers that be. We actually moved trick or treating up a day because we had the same storm, I think on Halloween night. I mean, it really, it got down Halloween night. So they moved it to the 30th and it was a, beautiful fall evening here and you know there were a few people that were complaining about it but i am i for one was happy to not be standing out in the rain on halloween night so good call here but um yeah good good times did you see uh did you see what the the guys from fish did at halloween i did i will tip my cap to the to to the guys from fish that was amazing it was I have have you listened I haven't listened to any of it but just having read it I was like oh man that's so cool very cool give the ner- just, you gotta give the uh the nerdy the nerdy guys credit for being super creative yeah <laughs> yeah I mean for real you know that's that's and just like to be able to just generate that much content for the for the sake of a joke is pretty awesome. And then the plant so. big blog posts and stuff so that when people did look up the band, there'd be something for them to Yeah. There was like an entry in all all music and yeah. like, you know <laughs> so great. Great work. Um I know a bunch of the guys from uh Helping Friendly Pod and some of the other Osiris podcasts were there. So maybe we should have them on just to talk about it because I think from the sense that I got from those guys, like they were just, you know, beside themselves with excitement. So, aren't, we, aren't, aren't you supposed to have a uh, Trace It's In With Panic podcast at some point? Yeah, no, we were going to do a, a crossover pod with RJ B from Helping Friendly Pod, have him on to talk about um, Panic and have me on to talk about Fish, I guess. So, but I think late summer and fall tour kind of got in the way, but maybe now that things have slowed down a little bit, we can, we can work on that. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, I'm trying to think, feel like there were some other things going on that, that I wanted to chat about, but, uh, Kentucky um, came back to earth. 
Yeah, yeah, the guy like like I pre- predicted, the cats lost. Um, you know, Georgia's really good. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to beat Alabama. I don't know that anybody can, but um, they certainly have a better chance than Kentucky would. Um, you know, I I feel like this year has been a good one. Obviously, you know, the Cats are still seven and two. Uh, you know, they'll be favored in their remaining games. They're favored at Tennessee next weekend, and then they've got, I think, Middle Tennessee, and then at Louisville, where the the dumpster is literally melting. It has been burning so hot and fast there. Um, you would think they could, if they finish up 10 to two, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good season. Um, but it, it, you know, I don't know if this is the new regular, but being able to consistently beat the teams in the middle of the pack of the sec is the first step. Right. And then becoming uh, competitive with the upper echelon is is another step and uh, you know i don't think we're quite there but um they got a huge commitment last week from a from a local kid who was uh it was between uh, ohio state nebraska alabama purdue and kentucky and wow. he picked kentucky uh he's like a, f- a four-star uh, all-purpose back um so Wondell yeah. robinson so we'll see how he does next year nice yeah i mean I mean, it's not even. There's really no point in talking about Alabama at this right now. It's just that LSU game was. I mean, I will admit that I always have liked LSU for a number of reasons, mostly because that environment at Baton Rouge is so amazing, and it's hard not to like hard not to want want that team to do well. But how would you feel if the best you could actually do was that? You're, the, right. you're supposedly the number three team in the country out of 120 teams. And you've got one blemish on your record and you beat Georgia who everybody had in their consensus top four, the national runner up last year could win the national championship. And then you go and play against the number one team, your rival, and you do the best you possibly can. And you still lose 29 to nothing. It's just, mm-hmm. Oh my God, it was just brutal to watch. But, uh, but yeah, Kentucky's going to get there, hopefully. You know, I think there need to be some more competitive teams in the SEC because right now that's definitely Alabama on the top line, Georgia on the second line, and kind of everybody else in Kentucky is definitely in that next tier down. So this year, at least, hopefully they can consistently stay there. Um, all right. So the... The main thing I wanted to do as we record this on Monday night, uh, hopefully this will be out uh, tomorrow morning, um, and that is to urge everyone who is listening to this, and I expect that everybody who, uh, who is listening to this will do so, but if you are not planning to, please, please, please vote. It is, you know one of the, if not the most important thing that we can do, uh, especially right now. Um, it is just, I just can't urge you enough. And it's not just about national politics or, and, you know, and we really try not to wade too deeply into that on this podcast. And, um, hopefully, uh, we do a decent job. It's hard not to, you know, every once in a while throw in a oi, 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 but, um, you know, if you want to get that kind of conversations, there are other places to do it. We know that you come here for uh, the kind of insightful <laughs> banter that you come to know and love. But, you know, among that is probably not political talk. But, um, you know, 
we do have an opportunity here to, uh, you know, use our platform to just urge everybody to, to go out and vote. And, um, and, and, and so it, it's, it's not just federal, you know, national races, it is governorships, it is local state houses, it is your city council, it is your, you know, uh, sheriff and your, you know, coroner or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I'm, I've got two, three, I have three neighbors that literally live within a couple blocks of our house who are running for city commission. Uh, in our little town that I know all personally well. And I'm really excited about going to the the first time ever running for elected office. Um, And I'm really excited tomorrow to go to the, to the uh, polling place and cast my vote for them. So um, please do so if you, if you are not already planning to. I think you said it well. Um, Yes, there's the president and yes, there's Congress but really where the rubber meets the road is in your state, in your city, in your county, wherever you might be. Some places have townships, those of us that live in the Midwest, um, and all that stuff, all that stuff does matter. School board elections, um, you know, it's great that so many people are paying attention this, this cycle. Um, turnout is going to be, I think, remarkable and ridiculous in some places. The numbers that we're seeing in early voting is, is tremendous. Um, and that can be good or bad, depending on what side you're on. Um, but there's going to be other elections in April in primaries and odd number of years, weird things happen, but that's when a lot of things get done, especially like school referendums and funding mm-hmm. referendums for, for public schools. And if your kids go to public schools, you want them to have space and a locker and a classroom and maybe even a swimming textbook or, <laughs> or a textbook or whatever it might be. Those are really important too. And so just, uh, if you're paying attention this year for the first time in an off pres- in an off year election, that's awesome. I'll pat you on the back, and if you voted, I will give you two pats. Um, but just keep paying attention. Keep paying attention to what's going on. I know it's frustrating. I know it's arduous. I know these people are awful on both sides for the stuff that they say and how they act and everything else. But it really does it does matter. And despite everything that's gone on over the last however many number of years. People still do look up to us because of our form of government. So never forget that and never forget that it's a important civic duty that we have. And I just wish that here's my soapbox moment. I just wish that everybody, it's already easy to vote in a lot of places, but can we just make it a federal holiday already? And is there, so everybody has the opportunity to go vote. That's it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's all, that's all really good stuff. And, you know, I honestly think you, like you said, the thing that is keeping us from, you know, being one of those countries that, that we, uh, you know, look down upon or things like that are the fact that we have open and, you know, fair elections. And if you don't take advantage of that, then who knows how long we'll be able to. So, um, please, please vote. (laughs) Please, please go vote. Um, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. You've got a big uh, congressional race in your district. Uh, yeah. The early bellwether, the, right. the pundits are saying. I think next year is the is Bevan is up, right? For governor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everybody hates him. I might, so. I might send some money because just because. Um, but well, he pissed off. He pissed off the teachers. So that is, is not not good. Yeah. Um, but Tennessee has a big Senate race. We'll see what happens. Not looking good for former governor Bredesen, who I met a couple weeks ago. Very nice man. 
um, I called him a politician, and he told, uh, reminded me that I should call him a statesman instead of a politician. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, um, but that's true. I mean, it really is. It's like usually, it's not always that. I mean, it's I, I don't know that there are many people out there who don't have an important election to vote on. You know what I mean? There are so many governorships and you know so many Senate states in play, and so many obviously all the House races, and there's just you know. There's no excuse to say, well, it doesn't matter. My vote doesn't matter because I live in a blue state, or my vote doesn't matter because I live in a red state, or you know, whatever it is. There are so many. When you say that, what's that? Said funny things happen when people say that when they say their vote. Right. Yes. So. um, So anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's enough. I I appreciate you guys uh, allowing us to to jump on that soapbox, but I just wanted to take that opportunity. So. Anything else before? Oh, I have a I have a recommendation, and I meant to do it last week, but I forgot. Um, and it's it's a little dated, but um, it's f- uh, from about a month ago, uh, right after I saw you. As a matter of fact, uh, the next night when I was back in Lexington, we went and saw Blitzen Trapper um, in in town, and it was one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. It was so much fun. And, um, I don't know if their tour is still going on. It was a, uh, it was the, it was the 10th anniversary of fur. And so they were going, it was, you know, the tour was in support of that. And they did a, uh, special release, uh, re-release of fur. And, um, they were playing it, in its entirety to sort of start the show uh, quote for funsies is what they said. And then, um, and then, you know, then they filled out the the set list with uh, a bunch of other stuff, but um, it looks like this tour is continuing. It's going to be out West. Uh, it's on through November 18th. So um, if you live out West and they're around, definitely go see them. Uh, it was, it was really a lot of fun. So have you had a chance to see them before? if i have it's been a minute like a long minute like a decade minute decade long minute um yeah a good time so uh you know if you haven't listened to them at all before definitely go check them out uh, a lot of really good uh a lot of really good stuff in their catalog i feel like each album is slightly different i i would sort of not not that they're that similar to it style wise but uh, you know, sort of throw them in the in the pile with Dawes, in that like every album is a little bit. You know, they sort of take a different approach to it. Um, they're still the same band, but they're like maybe going for a different vibe each time. So, yeah. Uh, so I will say that my recommendation is one for a movie that is. Uh Oh, almost 20 years old now, but it is one of my favorite movies. And for, I don't know if we have a lot of Midwesterners or particularly people from Wisconsin that listen to this podcast, but, uh, it's a documentary called an American movie, um, which came out in 1999 and is about the trials and tribulations of Milwaukee filmmaker, Mark Borchert, as he tries to make his masterpiece Northwestern, um, his best friends, Mike and Kenny, his uncle Bill, his parents, the whole thing. And it is a beautiful snapshot of a 
a young creative trying to achieve his dream and not necessarily getting there and but also just life in Wisconsin in general there's snow there's packer games there's paps blue ribbon there's accents there's you know any number of things but so it reminds me of home but it also is just a great uh it's a great movie but the thing that i love about it is friendship the friendship and loyalty that people have to mark because he's such a magnetic person and he's kind of a jerk sometimes but the fact that his friends will give up days and nights and weekends to help him make these slasher movies essentially is pretty remarkable so can't recommend it enough and again it's 20 years old and those guys have been around they're still around mike and mark are still alive they're still i don't think they're really making movies anymore but you might see him if you ever go to Milwaukee and if you do buy him a beer. So an American movie, that's my recommendation. And if you see me sometime, if you throw a catchphrase or two at me from that movie, I'm pretty sure I'll re- recognize it. <laughs> nice. Cool. Good pick. Um, okay. So uh, anything else before we dive in? No, I, um, you guys made good picks last week. Did you listen? I've heard those. I've listened. I listened to the stuff before you guys did the shows. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're good. They're good. All right. Um. Yeah. So we got some more, more really good ones. Uh, this week. So, um, appreciate everybody's patience. Uh, we sort of went through. Took it. You know, took a couple weeks there off in the middle of October. October is a busy month for me. I have in a stretch of four days my birthday my anniversary and my wife's birthday. So <laughs> that week is usually pretty rough and I did some traveling too. So, um, so anyway, I had a good excuse. Oh, and also I totally forgot. I wanted to, uh, give you mad props on last week's recommendation of Zach Morris's trash. Morris. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I had seen some of those before, but I was like, you know, I sat down and watched two or three. There, the one about, um, when they when he took over the the uh, student shop and then sold um, calendars, uh, calendars, swimsuit calendars of uh, you know of underage girls in bathing suits, <laughs> and then and then Kelly got like a modeling gig in France and then he sabotaged it. That's <laughs> yeah, because he was afraid that she was going to forget him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Morse is trash. Um, they also have another series about very special episodes on sitcoms, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend. Um, yeah. I watched ones for different strokes, Family Ties, and Mr. Belvedere. And <laughs> Rich, we could do a. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Belvedere is such a great show. Uh-huh. Um, but the best part about it is the awful use of laugh tracks during very special episodes like the stuff is not funny you know like kids people making jokes about 10 year olds that have aids are never funny yet there's a laugh tracks during mr belvedere episodes so that part of it is pretty spot on so I recommend- you know, they probably you know the probably the final edit didn't have it and then like some you know <laughs> network uh-huh. you know suit was like oh no we gotta have the laugh track people won't know what to do if they don't have the laugh track we don't want to think we're a drama. <laughs> yeah, the best one was the Growing Pains episode where they go to a uh, a college party and there's coke at the college party. I mean, oh, God, it was, it was so painfully eighties. Yep, and everybody's everybody's doing coke, but 
everybody's having fun at the party. So it's not really an ad for anti-Coke, which I just. And that was growing pains. Is that what you said? That was growing pains. Yeah. I do, Are you able to, to watch that show without now knowing now who Kirk Cameron is? It just changed. I, I, I thought about it much. Okay. But yes, it did cross my mind the other day when I was watching that clip. Like every time I see it come on and I'm like, oh, you know, I like that show. And I turn it on and I just, well, because his character is so different than who he is, I just have a really hard time. But yeah. we could probably, do probably your, your perspective of not having thought about it is probably a better one than wasting any brain power. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's just, well, depending on what happens tomorrow night, Harvey, I might have two more years of just burying my head, and and uh, I'm going to start digging up old sitcoms. So, all right. Well, um, we'll uh, you know get Let's out there and about- vote, everybody, and then we'll talk about some some panic. So, yeah. um, Let's talk about panic. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, here is myself and Ted Rockwell, and October 1993. Okay, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna play a couple segments here. The first is gonna be the the first part of this Jackson Wyoming show, um, which includes, like I said earlier, my all time favorite Gary intro, um, and then we're gonna jump to the next night in Nampa, Idaho. Hello, Nampa, and um, we're gonna pick up a bit in the. It's a one set show, and uh, we'll pick up a bit. Um, you know, right after a pretty awesome opener. So, um, yeah. So, so hang on to your hats. This is some really good music here. So we'll start things off with, uh, the opener from Jackson, Wyoming, October 29th, 1993. Take it away, Gary. How you guys doing tonight? My name's Gary and I try to make sure that everything is working right up here on the stage during their performance. I'd like to ask a little favor of you guys. And especially you people that are right up here up front. These big black boxes are speakers so that the musicians can hear the other musicians. If we pour drinks in them, jog them around, get ashes and hands all over them, things don't work right. Please help me in that respect. Thank you. All right, Jackson Hall. Let's show these guys we can get into it. Would you please welcome from Athens, Georgia. Capricorn recording artist, widespread panic.
so far away, but we came all the way from Georgia, so, you know, in, in respect to that, it's pretty close.
All right, you just heard two segments. First one from Jackson, Wyoming on October 29th, 1993. I'm not alone, fishwater opener. And then uh, we skipped ahead to the big potato state, Nampa, Idaho, at the Civic Center for um, a pretty fantastic ain't no use, time is free, worry. Um, I know. Ted has lots to say about that segment, but I just want to <laughs> I just want to touch a little bit on the Jackson Hole segment. Besides the superb um, Gary intro about explaining <laughs> explaining to the audience what monitors are, um, this is a really really good uh, segment of music. the 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 bass solo at the end of uh, "I'm Not Alone" is so good, and then. Um, the the drop into fish water and I, I don't know I don't know if this is like something that is more out of this era but I just really like the sort of um, the straight bass like hi-hat intro into fish water instead of the big kind of sunny drum you know mm-hmm. big big drum piece but just where it's like I mean, I just love the bass intro and with Todd kind of doing the, the Nansen, you know, the dance and Nansen bit is so good. And, um, uh, yeah. So, and it's a really great fish water too. So I don't know. I mean, did, did it seem like that was something more of that era where they would, um, you know, not sort of break into the big drum intro and fish water and just kind of drop into it with the bass. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels very much of the, the meters, um, Mm-hmm. that's it fishwater has always felt to me like it's derivative of of the meters um and at this point in their career they're playing the, the crap out of the meters i mean they've, they've got multiple <laughs> um covers that they're playing right now so that's what it feels like to me is like that new orleans dance style of dropping into a song um and, and going from one song to another in in that kind of realm yeah and um I'm pretty sure there's a there's like a P funk tease at the end too the to make my funk the P funk which I in some ways as somebody from New Orleans I almost identify more with the meters than I do with Parliament but um, you can feel free to call me a, a whatever you want on that but um, that that's a great segment but the 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 next night in Nampa is a uh, you know front or back a pretty pretty awesome show but um, you had some some big words about this segment we just played. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, all the way around 103093 is is one of my all-time favorites. It, it might I, I think it's in my top 5 of all-time shows. It's got everything Wow, wow, that's the, big words. The opening of the show Space Wrangler Walk-in that is a super amazing um sieg and they you know they jam on freebird during space wrangler it's mm. just ridiculous but then that drops right into it ain't no use time is free and worries the very first time is free with lyrics it's pretty out there the ain't no use the jb starts rapping partway through kind of you know in the vein of what we were just talking about of who knows where jb is going to go and he actually if you five minute mark of it, it ain't no use he starts rapping and sings or raps essentially a line from Tallboy, which doesn't even get played for the first time for another two years. So that's bizarre world. Like just out of the blue, he talks about he's just trying to find a place to shed his skin. 
and here we go into time is free, uh, which then leads into this ridiculously good worry. I mean, this is like classic quintessential panic that we got going on here. Um, this show also features a lot of other things, including um, the return of Let's Get the Show on the Road, which makes its return for the first time in three years, 469 shows. Obviously, that has become a real standard in their set list, but at this time, they're still kind of figuring out what they know as a band, you know, and what are they going to include as far as covers and what aren't they going to include? Yeah, I mean, because that's really, that song is from the, you know, the cover band era. I mean, some would say they're always been a cover band, but, um, you know, leading, you know, 88, 87, 88, you know, the 80, you know, they really played that much in 89 or 90. It was really 87, 88. It's like, you know, they were still playing dead songs and stuff at that point. So, um, is at some point they decided this was a song that they wanted to bring back in and, and bring into the catalog. And so, uh, I, 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 for one welcomed that, uh, and it was also cool to to think about uh, the the New Year's '97 show, the history historical set, where JB said this was the the song we we started looking over when we first were looking each other over. Yeah. <laughs> so it obviously was a pretty special place in his heart. I think uh, coming from Cleveland as a Michael Stanley fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one other thing to note about this show that may not be obvious is that it's the first time they played in Idaho. And Nampa, Idaho is out in the middle of nowhere. Anyone who's ever been there knows that it's not exactly, you know, uh, a bustling metropolis. Um, at the same time, it's Saturday night and it's Halloween season. And so this is essentially Halloween. Um, it's Saturday night, the night before Halloween, you got to know that people are showing up and they're getting weird and you can tell, I mean, you can just tell by the playing that everyone's into this thing. And it's, it's a real barn burner. The fact that they have a two song encore with the second song being postcard, I think is an indication that they were feeling it and that the crowd was really kind of reciprocating as well. Um, I know that for a long time, the night, the next night, the 31st, got a lot of attention because of all of the the weird bust outs that they pulled and that kind of thing. But I always held on to this one as being the standout highlight for me, at least, of this 14 show run. So this is, yeah, I mean, I guess obviously if you're saying this is a top five show of all time, then this is, this is the crown jewel of this run for you, this Nampa show. Yeah. And probably, you know, it's, I'm biased because it was this, this show that, that just kind of landed in my lap from Richard. And he said, you got to check this one out. Um, I had asked about, you know, Halloween and he's like, well, yeah, I can get you that one too. <laughs> but this was the one he's like, hey, you should check this one out. And, and, you know, from that moment on, I became the ambassador for 103093 for, you know, anyone that would be willing to send me a, a max LXL two and, uh, let me have the max points. What, uh, <laughs> was, <laughs> was, uh, was this the one where, where JB talks about like, uh, you guys are pretty far away, but compared to where we're from, you're pretty close. Yeah. That's it. I think so, it says so, it right after walking just before it ain't no use. So I'm guessing like, I guess maybe there was a pretty, pretty big gap between the stage and the, and the crowd. Yeah. That, it's, but, it's uh, one of those things I'd love to pick someone's brain about and see if I can get them to remember some details like that. Cause that's one of those, right. It's like, what was this venue exactly? Um, so, um, so we've got one more segment to play, which is from November 2nd, but, um, before we get to that, any, uh, any ruminations on the, uh, on the Halloween show from Missoula, that was for me, 
holds a special place because I think that was literally the first uh, live tape I ever got from the band. And I mean, I had, had seen them and, you know, had records and stuff. So I knew them to an extent, but to actually hear, to hear them in the wild. And obviously there's a lot of wild going on. Um, I mean, I remember like, the driving song, B of D driving song, like sticking out to me because I'd never heard a song split like that before. I mean, so that was sort of mind blowing for, you know, a young kid, but, um, anything on this show that, that sticks out to you? Well, you know, a lot of people talk about bust outs on Halloween and I think this is really, you know, the, the, one of the best examples and probably the earliest, um, they, they do. If you look back 92, 91, 90, they, they will, they'll have bust outs, but the 93 show is stands alone in a way. If you just look at the stats, if you want to get nerdy about it, B of D comes back. That's an original instrumental had been played in 194 shows. Hadn't been played since September of 92 coconut makes a reappearance. That's a big deal. That at the time was a song that they had basically put on the shelf completely and it didn't reappear again for a while. If I recall correctly, let's see. Uh, it doesn't come back again until. Uh, I mean, it was just a Halloween show, right? I mean, it was, uh, they did it in, uh, Halloween 92 and then Halloween 93 and then Halloween 94. 94. Was that the next time? Yeah, and then 95. And so, uh, you had that, that Omaha, the, uh, the ranch bowl they played in, in the summer of 95, but, but last dance first time in 143 shows, um, lawyers, guns and money right up near the beginning of the set. First time in 165 shows, sweet leaf first time in 165 shows last, uh, gilded splinters first time in 89 shows. I mean, it's, it's one of these, you know, it's not that they, they busted things out for the very first time, but they were pulling things out that they hadn't played in a while into a crowd in Missoula, Montana. Think about that for a second. I bet you there were some people from Georgia there. You know, people probably came from Georgia, but it was probably a handful of people. It couldn't have been a huge amount of people. And so they're doing this and they're taking these risks with these songs they haven't played in a million years. And do you think they have time to rehearse? They're a day, day what? What is this? Day 12? They're riding, riding, from, riding in from Nampa. <laughs> yeah. you know? Think about the confidence that it takes to play one, two, three, four, five, six seven different songs that you haven't played in like a year or two, right? That is, that's, that takes balls, man. And it's just, it comes through in this show. Um, I really love the lawyers, guns and money into Chile. That's a sick, sick little passage there. The werewolves of London's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. I just all the way around. I love this show too, but it's uh, uh, one of these, uh, if you look forward in time, you see this happen where they like pull out, um, you know, uh, songs that haven't been played in a long time, but you think about the circumstances for this particular show and it really stands out that this was something special. I mean, these guys, they really took a chance and it paid off and they played really well. Um, so then the night after this, they load up the, the bus and head all the way to the West coast of Seattle. That is, um, according to Google, just, just, just a little bit less than 500 miles from Missoula to Seattle. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, that's a pretty good haul after Halloween night. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a good show, but it, it, as far as 
comparing it to the other shows in this run, I think a little more straightforward. Um, there's some good stuff for sure, but, um, but the one thing that does kind of stick out is uh, that they play Sweet Leaf again for the second straight night, and then again the night after that. So, do you do you have any thoughts on what what might um, have caused the three straight nights of Sweet Leaf? <laughs> I think that they had such a good time playing it on Halloween, Dave, in yeah. particular, that right. they they decided, you know what, let's just go for it again, and. And let's go for it again, because they end up doing it a third time uh, once they turn the corner and they go to Eugene um, on the second. Uh, they played as an encore. Um, you know, they, they really haven't played Sweet Leaf all that often. And this is a unique passage because they play it three nights in a row. That never has happened before or since. Um, but the next year, they busted out right around Halloween, and they end up playing it two nights in a row. They play it on ten twenty nine ninety four in Chicago, and then ten thirty one ninety four in Evanston, which is essentially Chicago. I happen to be at both of those shows, um, which ended up being kind of an interesting little. It's like, well, I've seen Sweet Leaf twice in a row now. Um, <laughs> I ended up seeing it actually three times in a row for the times that they played it. Cause I ended up going to Athens and saw them play it on 10 30 95 as well. So that was kind of a weird run. It's like, I've you know, seen sweet leaf the last three times. Yeah, sweet leaf just chasing you. <laughs> yeah, can't get rid of it. So uh, do you think, is that a, you think it's the same situation in 94 where they're just like, you know, we're going to play it on Halloween. So let's just have fun and play it. You know, yeah, I think it's just a fun song to play. And I think that's a part of it is that, you know, once, once you've kind of figured out the changes and you go for it, why not just bust it out again? I mean, keep in mind that the Evanston show in 94 was again in a hotel ballroom and there's no way that it held more than a couple, 300 people or something. It was tiny. Um, when you walked in, in the ballroom, if you wanted to jump off of the stairs a little bit, you could reach the ceiling. Um, in fact, the ceiling was so weak it's a drop ceiling in there that they couldn't hang lights from the ceiling. They had to put the lights at the foot of the stage. And so everything looked really weird and very spooky because everything was lit from beneath from below. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, uh, Yes, I part of the third, you know, the the thirty first as well was that they had a lot of people coming up from uh, the Athens and uh, Atlanta area who'd come up just for Halloween, and they heard that they played it on the twenty ninth. were like, "What the hell did you guys do, man? Like, you gotta play it sweetly." So, <laughs> and then obviously the um, the you know, so they only played it fifteen times. So three of the fifteen were in this three night three night run in ninety three. But um obviously to me the the starting off the two thousand run uh in New Orleans, uh starting off the three nights with Sweet Leaf was maybe the biggest out of nowhere song placement uh in my widespread panic history, I think. Yeah. Um Okay, so our last selection here is going to be, um, speaking of, the the encore from uh, November 2nd, 1993 in uh, Eugene, Oregon. And um, pretty pretty nice uh, combo here. Jeff always talks about the encores either being slow, fast, or fast, slow, and, uh, and, this, and generally liking the slow, fast better. And this is definitely uh, an example of slow, fast. So um, 
11293, Eugene, Oregon, the encore after a nice one set show. We've been coming to Eugene for a long time, and you guys are still some of the nicest people in the whole world.
smoky in here.
Thanks again. Thank you very much. Send it our way. All right, that was the encore from November 2nd, 1993 at the EMU Student Center Ballroom on the campus of the University of Oregon in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, after a pretty pretty sick one-set show, you got the dream song, Sweet Leaf Encore, the third consecutive night, Sweet Leaf. And um seemed like the band was having a good time and maintaining some energy level, considering this was the 13th show in 13 days. Um with with one more coming the next night um in uh in portland and um you know we've been talking about this and you know i again appreciate you know you're taking the time to walk down memory lane with us but i've failed to mention that this is actually the 25th anniversary of this this run that that is the reason that we're talking about this and um hard to believe it's been been that long but uh you know (laughs) the sun keeps coming up every day I've got I've got a, a friend at work a a person who who is a part of my team who works for me I'm technically her her boss and she just turned 26 in September which was a little depressing because I then realized that I've been a fan of widespread panic longer than she's been alive mm-hmm. um, and that just blew my mind um, yeah 25 years it's kind of incredible um, it, so much happened between you know, 92, 93, 94 for me, just personally, that um, to me, it feels like that was more than just three years. Um, But, you know, 1993 was, you know, when I was just out of college, about to start my master's degree and about to get married. And so for me, these these shows, they, they didn't really come through Illinois in the later part of 93 at all. And so having access to these tapes and be able to hear these shows was important to my um, burgeoning fandom. Um, staying engaged with the band was a large part due to the fact that I had access to these shows. You know, and we, we've talked uh, a lot on this podcast about um, sort of turning points in the band's history and, um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, spring 95, you know, maybe backing up to late 94 and, you know, uh, obviously 96 was a big time, but it's like, you're maybe, you know, this is where you're starting to see the beginning of that moving out of, um, you know, playing the same sh- you know, songs every night and, and mixing up the set list and digging a little bit deeper into the catalog and, um, I think in some ways 94 was, uh, or at least a good section of 94 was sort of a aberration, you know, as they were trying to push the Any Life Grand record and Capricorn and things like that. But um, there's definitely some good stuff in there, but it was, uh, it was a band that was definitely in, uh, in growth mode at this point in their, in their career here in late 93. Yeah. I, I, we talked a little bit in the prior segment about the confidence that they must've had um, to play. And the, you know, there's, this is the period of time where I, I invented uh, a phrase I like to call, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised nothing got broke. Um, because they go into these jams and they take it way out there and they, they do these improvisations and you just, I'm sure that they're not quite sure where it's going to go. Um, but it takes a lot of confidence to do that. And they're doing it for small crowds. I, I think that's the other thing just to kind of, to really d- drive home is these places that they're playing. This is a student center ballroom. 
think about what those three words mean. <laughs> it's a, it's like a rec center, man. It's a tiny little thing. Um, and so they're playing these giant shows, these huge sounding shows to a handful of people. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's this notion that they're going to play to five people as if they were 50,000. They were, they're going to give these people the best night that they've had, knowing that if they ever come back through Eugene, they're going to have five people bring in five other people with them each. And so I think that it is an important time in their history. And um, it's a time where they were really trying to, um, you know, lean into the confidence they felt in the music and play for the people who showed up as if they were the last people on earth. Yeah. And I mean, that, that reminds me of that fantastic bit from Colonel Bruce in the earth will swallow you where he talks about the first time he saw them band at Agnes Scott college and they were playing to five people like they were playing to 5,000 and playing with full intention, you know? And I mean, that's what it all comes back down to, um, that, uh, and so I think this, this run of shows, um, you know, through the, the American, uh, far West and, uh, mountain sky area and, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that there were not large crowds, but they def that weren't acting like it for sure. Yeah. So, well, you know, Harvey, if, if you'll allow me, um, I would love to be able to plug something. Speaking of, you know, people who were, are, uh, you know, the kind of a heartbeat, the rhythm of the panic community. Um, there's, there's a, a benefit that's going to go on here in Denver on November 9th, um, November 9th, 2018, at the Oriental Theater here in Denver, um, Todd Nance and Sam Holt are coming together uh, to do a benefit tunes for Barrett. Um, Tori Pater is going to be a part of this, and Spanky McClure. They're both of the Dirty Birds. Um, they've all been in a band with Sam before. Um, it's essentially a, uh, a a couple of good friends of of mine and and uh, friends of the band, uh, the Camerers. Um, have have a uh, a kid who uh, has Rett's syndrome. It's a neuro de- 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 developmental disorder, um, and this benefit will go to help others with this same condition. Um, it's going to be a great night of music, and anyone who's ever been at the Oriental knows it's going to be a good time there. Um, it's going to feature all sorts of other bands as well, so it's going to be a full night of music. Um, November 9th, it's uh, Saturday night. So there's no reason to, uh, to hold back. Um, you can celebrate the 25th anniversary of this 1993 run by going to see Bob Nance and Sam Hall play, uh, play what, what will probably be a very heavy Michael Hauser, uh, evening of music. Um, so I, we I could really tell, uh, tell Sam to do a sweet leaf encore, you know, in honor of the, the fall 93 tour <laughs> dream song, sweet leaf dream song is one of my favorite songs. And a lot of people like to, uh, to hate on that song. Uh, no, you're, there's no uh, hate on this podcast for that song. We're all, we're all dream song supporters here. Dang, I love that song so much. I used to chase that song like crazy. And part of the reason is Todd Nance. Um, he really, he lays that thing down and it's just such a great little heartbeat rhythm that he pulls into that, that just makes you, makes you dream. It makes well, you, kind of I mean, it's, it's everything. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's schools going up and down the base. It's Mikey's sort of like droning lullaby and JB just, you know, crooning about it. It's, uh, it, yeah, it is. It's, it's a good song. 
so a good finish a good cherry on the top of this uh of the show and um appreciate the um the info about the sam show there's those are among those moments when i wish that i that i lived in colorado and not kentucky as much as i love where i live but you know i wish i could just snap my fingers and be in colorado sometimes yeah, well, we're trying to get Sam to move back out here. I've I've been you know talking with him here and there and and seeing right you know he's he's in Athens and they they've they've got a good thing going there. But um, I would love to get him back out here um, on a, a more permanent basis. Uh, but uh, you know we'll see what the future holds. I know that Todd, you know, he's got a home out here, and so we see him every so often because he'll he'll travel out for uh, uh, you know do some skiing or whatever it would be and. Um, so we feel really fortunate that we, we get to see him on a, on a, probably about an annual basis. Um, this is going to be a really special thing though. November 9th at the Oriental theater here in Denver, um, Todd Nance, Sam Holt, Tori Pater and Spanky McClure. You should check it out. Tunes for Barrett. So. All right, Ted. Well, um, I, you know, as always appreciate you, uh, taking the time to, um, to spend with us and, um, you know, hopefully, we don't wait another year to make it happen. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Jeff's got to be here too. Cause I want to give him a hard time as well, you know? Um, but I, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Harvey. And, um, I, I just can't, uh, can't thank you enough for letting me, uh, plug that, uh, tunes for Barrett show. Oh no, absolutely. Man. Um, everyday companion anything else you got yeah twitter or, or instagram that you want to you know that you- Man, i thought twitter was over like five years ago I, just because you know <laughs> some knuckleheads decide that they are you know like 70 years old and let's check out this newfangled thing called twitter i don't have a twitter i have an don't, instagram don't talk about our president like that i did i was i didn't mention it um <laughs> seriously i thought that technology was gone i okay. thought it was gone like what the hell uh but i am on instagram um ted rock i i was in early um t-e-d-r-o-c-k i see a lot of music um i play a lot of record albums um and i go on a lot of hikes and so if you like anything like you know going to see music or listening to records or nature um, you should check me out there. It's a, uh, it's a fun little feed. I try to keep it light. And, uh, um, and then I have a Facebook profile, but I don't really, I don't really friend everyone who friends me back. So I don't know. It's probably not the greatest thing to plug. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good deal, man. Well, uh, I appreciate the time and, um, you know, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Harvey. <laughs> Free. You've been there.
Boom, boom, bang, bang, down here it comes again. 